Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Joseph um, brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, let's stop there. Joseph was the favorite son. And the reason I'm calling this the pantry is that at 17 years old, he had an entire opportunity to get whatever he wanted from his father as his son, as his favorite son. Earlier on, the, um, jo- Joseph's father, Jacob, gave him a coat, and it was you know, a coat of many colors, the technicolor dream coat, as Andrew Lloyd Webber called it a few years ago in his play. Um, but Jacob, or J- Joseph at 17 had this authority and this gift to do whatever he pleased, basically, within the father's house. He had keys to the pantry. And if you think as parents, I don't know if you, about you as parents, but when my parents um, were, when I was being raised, um, we had 
have to ask permission if we were to eat something. Like, Mom, can I have a cookie? Can I have... And so in, there, in the house that I grew up, there was a closet, and it's where Mom kept all the food, right? And we weren't allowed just to go into the pantry to get whatever we wanted because there was things in there that we kept with. And, 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 and so that was the culture that we had. And I realized that Jake, Joseph had actually grown up with the ability to take whatever he wanted because that's who he was. As, as a son, it was like he was allowed. It could be that the other brothers had that same freedom, but it almost sounded like because Joseph was the favorite son, he was put up, up, up higher. And at 17, how many of us know that at 17, do you remember when you were 17? No? Richard doesn't, you don't. <laughs> Well, I, I, I remember pictures of being 17, and I was really arrogant. I was immature. I was growing up. I knew more than my parents did. It's funny. The older I grew, the less I knew. And I was like, wow, where did, where did all my wisdom go? But J- Joseph had said, what was that? That was funny. Um, <laughs> it's going to be one of those Sundays, Dad. Dad loves that. He's like, anyway, um, at 17, Joseph, he, he was lacking some foundational skills in social, in social skills. He, he just, he lorded over his brothers and sisters. So he was out minding the flocks, and the brothers were doing something wrong, and so he decided to go to his dad and tattle. Like, how does that go over really well? How does that, you know, just think of like, how would you feel if you knew you were doing a bad job and your brother or your sister went and told mom and dad that you sucked at what you were supposed to be doing and this was a crucial part of the family business? Like, they were shepherds, right? They, that was their income. That was how they made their money. That's how they, that's how they lived as shepherds. And if, if brothers weren't taking care of the sheep, that means they're losing the bottom line and Joseph was there to say, hey, I'm, showing, I'm calling you out. Now it says, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children, verse 3, because he was the son of his old age. Um, he also made him a tunic, and so there it is, a tunic of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, some would say that it's not, it wasn't Joseph's fault that his brothers hated him. I would disagree. I would say that Joseph did not do anything to garner the love and the affection of his brothers. You know, it was like, I could just see him prancing around. Look at this coat that my father just gave me. Y'all just, don't you want to be like me? And so he wasn't setting himself up for success. Now the point that I want to make in this, because there's a lot, there's a lot in this. In this passage between uh, verse 1 down to verse 11, um, he has a dream. Joseph has a dream, and he dreams that the sun and the moon and the stars all bow to him. And in his lack of in, um, his, his, his arrogant mood, his arrogance, he says to his brothers, "I had a dream, and you're going to bow before me." And then he says to his um, he says to his brothers, "He's like, I had a dream, and you're going to bow to me." And again, it's like, wow. And so even the, f- 
not even though that Joseph had keys to the pantry, he lacked the skills and he lacked the, 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 the fine-tuning, he lacked the process of being able to manage this. And so we can look at it in our, in our, in our natural way, in our, in our today's idea of where we are in this process, we can say that God gives us gifts. He gives us the abilities but sometimes we don't have the tools necessary to actually walk them through and do it properly. Now, it doesn't matter, like, you can be 17, or you could be 27, or you could be 37, or you can be 77. It doesn't matter what age you are. It just matters where you are in the process. I've known, you know, older men who just have a revelation of who they are and the Father and the gifts that they have, but they still have to go through a process to get to where the Lord can actually use them. Right? Now, it's better if you're younger because then, obviously, just mathematically, you have more time. But God isn't limited by age. Right? So there was Joseph, young, raw, arrogant, um, knowing who his father was and knowing who he was in his father, but didn't know how to manage that. The Lord started then to take him on a journey, and this is the life process. He takes him on a journey. And in, in the late latter part of, um, or the middle part of chapter 37, Joseph is, Joseph is out tending to the sheep. The brothers had that they were done. Like, they're going, we're going to kill him. We're going to just... How bad does it have to be that your brothers actually rise up against you and say, you did? Right? I'm just... I, there's no options. I just, we can't, there's nothing we can do. So we're just going to kill you, right? I can't imagine. You know, I can, I can't imagine Andrew and Zach fighting to the point where, 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 where Andrew would just go and just want to kill Zach. Like, it just, it's beyond my, my mind. But yet that's what happened, because they were so frustrated. They were so, and there's obviously, there was father issues. There was, there was, it was a mess, absolute mess. The Lord had it in, in his, in his, He's in charge, right? The Lord was in charge of this process. And the Lord knew that Joseph contained gifts that were needed for a future time. And so all throughout Joseph's life, from, the, from, from when he was little to when he was 17, the Lord was preparing him and giving him what he needed. He gave him skills. He gave him, you know, he was a brilliant mathematician. He was able to manage. He was able to administrate. And he just didn't do it very well because of his social skills. So the brothers get together. You know the story. Brothers get together in the field one day, and uh, they said, let's kill him. And uh, Joseph was walking around, had his bright-colored coat on, and he's probably bad. Anyway, I'm not going to say that. He's prancing around, and uh, the brothers lay hand on him, and they said, good, let's kill him. And the oldest brother, I think it's Simon, or Simeon, Reuben, sorry, Reuben. Reuben said, um, no, brothers, we can't kill him. You know, like for our father's sake, we can't kill him. Let's just beat him up really good and throw him in a pit. They're like, yeah, let's do that. They tore his, his they tore his coat off, ripped it up, made it look like an animal had attacked him, poured blood on it, took him, beat him up, threw him into the pit. 
for a time, Joseph lived probably hours or maybe a couple of days in, in the bottom of this well that it was dry, so that showed that in the it, it could have had water in it at some point or when the flood would come, it would rise. And so I think their intention was not to kill him outright, but say, well, we're just going to leave him there. And um, we'll leave him there and we'll just see what the elements do. Meanwhile, they go back to the father, go in the cloak, coat of many colors, it's ripped up, full of blood. Yeah, look what happened. Don't know what. We found him, there's no Joseph. Jacob, of course, was devastated. Brothers move on. Joseph's in the bottom of this pit. Verse 27. Verse 25. I'm just going to read this. And they sat down to eat a meal. They lifted their eyes and they looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, myrrhs, and on their way they carried him down to Egypt. But Judah said to his brother, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother. Our flesh. His brothers listened, and the Midianite tra- traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up. Joseph, we had an exchange student named Joseph, and that's the name that's stuck in my head. So I keep saying Joseph. Same thing, translated different, so that's the extent of my Spanish. He pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and then they took Joseph to Egypt. And that's when Reuben returned with, with the news to his father. So, fast forward now. Joseph is on his way. He's out of the pit. Yay! I can be released. I can be redeemed. I'm going to go back to my family. And the father had, the father of God had other plans. He's sold into slavery. He ends up being bought, purchased by Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was the captain of the Egyptian guard. And he said to, um, he put Joseph to work. Now, the Lord was with Joseph, and that's very clear. Um, if we look at chapter, we're going to go to chapter 39. And these are just, like, I would encourage you to read these stories and read, read them again. Like, I'm, I'm going really fast, just because I'm not feeling good. And, and uh, um and I'm, so I'm leaving out some of the key areas, but I want to give you kind of a picture. Clearly, jo- Joseph is sold into Potiphar's house, and he's, putting, put, he's put to work in the fields. And Joseph's gifting automatically kicks in, and he is able to rearrange the fields to, be a, to, to, to produce something more than, than they were used to. Potiphar sees this and says, you, you are you're brilliant. You, you've got something going on. You know what I'm going to do? Is that I think I'm going to put you in charge of the house, and the only person that is higher than you will be is me. And, and in verse, um, verse 4 in chapter 39, it says, So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. So there's, there's something that was going on in Joseph's heart. From the time that he was 
in the pantry, into the pit. Now he sold in Potiphar's house as a slave. He learned a key principle, and that was servant, servants, being a servant. This says he served him. The Bible doesn't say that Joseph served his father. The Bible doesn't say he served his brothers. The Bible says he served Potiphar. So there was a character alignment going on in Joseph's life. And so we need to actually look at the, one of the very first things that took place in Joseph's life was that he became a servant. That he actually, in his heart, changed because it says he served them. Let's just look at that. So Joseph, um, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. So, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put under his authority. So it was, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had had in the house and in the field. Thus he left, and this is Potiphar, Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he did not even know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph, and then goes on. Isn't that amazing? Like, you trust somebody so much that I'm giving you my entire fortune. I'm giving you my businesses. I'm giving you everything, and all I have to worry about is eating breakfast. Now, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you implicitly because he saw that there was increase. And I believe when we're actually doing the process that the Father has for us, there's going to be times that we have character changes, character adjustments, i.e. him becoming a servant. And then there's actually times that there's actual prosperity because the Lord is actually working in us and we can actually lean on the Lord, lean on the Father and say, okay, I'm walking, I'm doing something right, I'm actually walking forward and, there's a, and I'm, I'm walking in favor. And there's, there's increase, there's increase upon us. Now, it's not a blessing and a cursing, whereas if we don't do something, God's not going to. It's, it's not like that in our, in our modern lives, because God doesn't work under blessings and cursings any longer, right? It's not part of that old covenant, but, but, but there are, we need to have our characters in place and to be sons and daughters and not orphans and slaves, right? And that's what, and that's what God was actually getting onto Joseph. He was bringing out that, um, that orphanness, that wanted him to become a true son. So there was a period of, uh, it was a couple years, Joseph was working in, in Potiphar's house. He's probably, I want to guess, he's probably in his 20s at this point. And um, what's going to get you? They say in ministry there's three things um, that get ministers and leaders. The glory, the gold, and the girls. Those are three things that will take down somebody. Well, Joseph had glory. It wasn't an issue. He, was, he knew his position in the house. He had gold in the sense that everything his master had was his, and he was prospering and he was making it more. But then there was the girls. I'm not saying that Joseph did anything wrong, but it was, it was Potiphar's wife who come to him and attacked him in the sense of, hey, come Let's fool around. Let's, you know, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. 
And Joseph knew that he, he knew he had his heart was right. He knew that he was in a place that he could not, he couldn't give into this. You know, he had the, he actually had the authority in a sense that he could have, and Potiphar wouldn't have even known. Because the Bible says Potiphar didn't know anything that was going on. He was probably busy at the palace with, with the guards. Didn't have enough time for his wife, potentially, and we're just reading between the lines. But Joseph knew, like, so here's this very good-looking man. It's, the Bible says it in verse 7. Um, was it verse 7? Verse 6. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He's a hot, or hot European, or not European, sorry, Hebrew man, whatever. He was just this hot young stud who, who the, the wife was like, yep. I would, I like you. And, and Joseph was like, not going to happen. And so he took off, found himself in over a period of time, if you read the text, it was a period of time. It wasn't just like one time. Sometimes we think you walk into a room and there she was, and she's like, hey, baby. And he's like, oh, no. And it's kind of like that song, you know, oh, no, honey, I'm good. You know that song on the radio? It's a good song. And but he walked in, it was, it was over and over and over and over again that he was being tempted. And she was like, come on, let's lie with me, have sex with me, come on, like, it'll be okay. You know, and he's like, no, I can't do this. My master, I, he, tr- he trusts me. And so he turned to go, and I don't know what happens. I, I, have, I have it in my mind that he was somehow somewhere with her, and she was able to get his shirt off. Because he, he left, he ran out, and she had his shirt. I, and I'm just wondering, I just can't picture how that would naturally look unless he was actually going to do it. You know, you know like, I mean, I don't want to be crude, but I mean, it's like, use your imagination. How many, like, He, he was about to give in, I think, like after the incessant, and he realized what he was doing. He, had, he got his mind right again, and he took off, leaving his clothes behind. And, of course, at that point, Potiphar's wife calls rape. He assaulted me. They take him away, and there he is in prison. So... Poor Joseph. He had a period of prosperity, and the Lord's like, we need to start fine-tuning again. And was it punishment? Was Joseph under punishment from the Lord? No. I really believe that he was still working on his character, because he still had the gifting. He still had the things that the Father gave him. He still was going through process. And... (laughs) um, he had these things that he needed in his heart. And the father was like, we're going to refine. We're going to do some more alignment. So there he is in prison. And let's see, verse 20. Actually, verse 19, just before he gets into prison. So it was then that his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner. So I'm reading from the New King James, and I should have. 
Your servant did this to me after this manner, that Potiphar's anger was aroused. And Joseph's master took him, put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So why would the Lord give Joseph mercy if he didn't do anything wrong? That's my question. Like I, I think he just he got to the point where you can't. I remember being a young 20-year-old man, and if I was being assaulted and assailed by a woman, of course, before I was married, the temptation would have been huge. It was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to be. Right? So I'm just thinking there's something more there than what we've been led to believe. So the keeper of the prison, he said, the Lord gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that would that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So it was, it was a copy, a copy of Potiphar's house, only it was a little bit bigger. It was a little, it was like a, it was, if you, you can look at it, it was, it was a, a promotion in a sense. Wow, yeah, I just went from opulence to the prison. But Joseph could actually set his own lifestyle. And he made the prison way more habitable than it probably was. Because he probably turned it into more of a, 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 I don't want to say a health spa, but he lived in a certain manner, and then he was into the prison, and then the prison, the the warden said, I don't know know who you are, I don't know what you do, but man, do whatever you want, because I guess I'm tired. Just don't make me look bad. And again, I'm, I'm speaking between the lines. We're reading between the lines, speaking of what I'm thinking. So there's Joseph. He's in prison. He's making it good. The prisoners are probably happy because life is changing. Life is getting better. It's like you're going to the resorts. Yeah, we're in prison, but it's all good because there's favor. And then it came to pass that a few years in the prison, and, and, and again, this is a lengthy process. So a few years into the prison, a couple guys show up, and um, they're there, and they had a dream. And it was the butler and the baker. The butler, and I don't know where the butcher was, but um, he wasn't there. But it came to pass after these things, this is chapter 40, came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry. Two of his officers, with the two of his officers, the butler and the baker, the chief butler and chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard of the prison, and the palace, um, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. And they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them. Each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Joseph's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We have had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. 
for Joseph's sake with him. Um, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Which is interesting because at no point in the narrative was Joseph ever deemed a dream reader, a dream interpreter. It, it, that was the position of the, the magi, the, the, you know, the, 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 what do you call them? The, the witches, the warlocks, the, the guys that were in part of Pharaoh's court. I forget the name. But Joseph was never actually labeled that. But he knew, he knew his God. He knew what was, his God was capable of. And he walked into something that he has not walked in before. Verse 9 in, in chapter 40, it says, The chief butler told him his dream. He says, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me, and in the vine there were three branches, and it was though it was budded, its blossoms shot forth, with its clusters brought forth grapes, ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. He didn't take time, just said, This is what it is. You know, it wasn't like, let me pray on this, let me fast, and in about two weeks, I'll get back to you. It was just now. You walked into something, it was now. It was a sudden thing. And Joseph said, now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will be put, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hands according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember, and this is something a key. Joseph gets this interpretation, he interprets the dream, he tells them what it is, he gives them this prophetic word, and then there is something still in Joseph's character that the Lord had to work on, and this is what he said, but remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me, make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. (laughs) So he was using a prophetic gift for his own stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and I also have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. We have a little bit of self-pity. I didn't do anything. I don't deserve to be here. Why, why, why? It's not all about me. Right? Can you just hear, you know, every 24-year-old just whining at this point? When the chief baker saw the interpretations were good, he said to Joseph, I was, I also was in, in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket, there was um, all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. And then Joseph answered, and he said, this is the interpretation of that. Three baskets or three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head from your shoulders and hang you from a tree, where the birds will eat your flesh from you. That got dark real quick. Right? Now it came to pass on the third day, which was the Pharaoh's birthday, 
he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up his, the head. He lifted up the head of the chief butler, and of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hung, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted them. And then here's here's a little little blow up. The chief butler did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Fast forward two years. Joseph had to go around the mountain for two more years in order for him to to be the Lord to look at him and go, "Okay, you ready? Are you ready?" So two years he 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 languished in the prison. Languished, right? It was like he was in charge and he was doing his thing. Chapter forty-one. Pharaoh has a dream. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that the Pharaoh had a dream, and then and the right um, Moses wrote Genesis, goes on tells what the dream is. Remember the dream it was like seven healthy cows, and then seven sickly cows come along and eat up the healthy ones, and then there's seven healthy stalks of grain, and then like this, you know, and and and, and um, Pharaoh had this dream, and he knew that there was something on this dream, but he and he couldn't sleep. And he called his, um, maybe the word's in there. Um, he sent and called to his magicians, the magicians of Egypt. He called to them all of his wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Enter the butler. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults. I ticked you off a couple years ago, and you and your goodness put me in prison, and I met a man who told me everything that I needed to know, and I'm standing here in front of your presence today because of him. He will interpret your dream. So Pharaoh um, sent and called Joseph. This is um, verse 14. And Pharaoh sent sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, shaved, changed his clothing, came to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I've had heard it said that you can understand the dream to interpret it. But Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, No, it's not me. It's God. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So again, he activated a prophetic word. He's like, well, It's not me. It is God. But then he gives him a prophetic word saying, whatever your dream is, whatever the interpretation is, will be a peace. Take care. It's okay. There is, again, you have to look at this, but there was a shift in Joseph's life right there, or just prior, that said, I'm actually now in the, in the presence of a king. And I know my God. And I know what he's done in my life. And now I'm just going to, I'm going to proclaim hope. And he did. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold in my dream. And Joseph goes, or Pharaoh goes on and describes him the dream. And Joseph said to Pharaoh in verse 25, The dreams of Pharaoh are one, because there's two dreams. God has shown Pharaoh that it is about to do the seven good cows and the seven good years of, of, of grain. And what? The seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east winds and seven years of famine. 
this is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh that he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And I'm just going to pause there for a second. How often we personally go through years of plenty, and it's like absolutely, like this is just, we're like living the dream. And in the first sign of anything bad, we forget what we've just come through. It needs to be in our life that, like Jesus said, in this world you have had trouble, right? But I've overcome the world. We have to keep looking back and on, on, on the things that God has given us that are good. And so when we go through rough patches, the good actually carry us through the bad. Was just a second. It was a good word. Seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of Egypt, but after seven years of famine will arise, and the plenty will be forgotten. The, the years of plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will de- replete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine. Following it will be very severe. And the, and the dream was replaced, and the, sorry, and the dream was replaced, to, repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring this to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh, and this is, um, this is interesting. Pharaoh didn't ask for Joseph's um, interpretation right away. He, 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 gave him, he gave him the interpretation, sorry. That's why he was there. But, but he didn't ask for his advice on what to do. But Joseph, in his gifting, because he had been an administrator, and he had been, um, like, he, he, this is who he had become. He just said, this is what you need to do. He says, now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in, seven, in, in the seven plentiful years. And then let them gather all the food for those good years that are coming up and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food will be a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. There was no need. Joseph passed the test. There was no need. It, wasn't, it was a point. Tell me what I'm going to do. I interpreted your dream. And this is what God says. So now what you need to do is appoint me as overseer because I know what I'm doing. And, and he, didn't have, he didn't do that. There was no remember me to the Pharaoh. There was no remember, like, hey, you know, I have an idea. I'm your man. There wasn't any of that. In the, in the intervening years of his captivity and, and the things that the Lord was working out in his process, he became um, who the Father wanted him to be, who he had actually created the Father. The Father had created him to be. And God doesn't see us as who we are. He sees us as he has created us to be. And so there's Joseph in front of the Pharaoh saying, it's up to you, but this is what I would do. Appoint a man and blah, 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 And he's like, are we done? Can I go back to my room? There doesn't seem to be any dial. There doesn't seem to be any arrogance left in Joseph. He was simply wanting to serve the Pharaoh. And it seems like he was, would have been content to go back to the prison because there was no indication that of, of the remember me, like I said. 
Verse 37, chapter 41, it says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a, a, can we find such a one? Sounds English is being heard. Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Insomuch as God has shown you all of this, there is one as there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took the signet ring off of his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, and he had a and, he, and had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So the, and so they set him over the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, changed his name to Zaphonath-Paneah, gave, gave him a wife, basically gave him identity. story. He absolutely saves Israel. Verse 6, saves Egypt. They had seven years of amazing harvest. They said it was beyond anything that Egypt had ever seen. They had more grain. They had more more stores um, than ever before. Famine comes at the end of seven years. His brothers hear that there's, there's food in Egypt. Brothers show up. There's, there's a whole narrative that we could go probably hours in, in teaching on, on what that looked like, what that meant. But then it, it, it comes to it, the brothers come to Joseph, he's all dressed up in his Egyptian garb, and they bow before him, and he's thought, he thinks back 12 years prior to the dream that he had about the sun and the moon and the stars. Now, if you don't know what that interpretation means, the sun and the moon were, were, were Joseph's parents. It's the figurative picture, and the stars would have been his brothers. And he bowed before him, saying, we need help. And he saw them, and he turned and cried. Because he knew in his arrogance, when he was young, that there's something that he went on a journey. And he was a changed man. And he had allowed in 12 years from the time that he was 17 to the time that he was 30 years old, and he, had, and he became the second in command of the, the country. He knew that God had had him in a place to save his people. But God had to work out that process. And it's so much like our own processes. We can't judge each other for our own processes. Our process was our process. So I can't, I can't meet somebody for the first time and judge them and go, oh, you should be the, you should be this. I don't know where they've come. Just like you don't know where I come, well, most of you know where I come from. But it, it's really difficult. We have to embrace each other's process and allow people to actually speak into our process when the time comes and grow and change and and and, and, and um, mature. You can look at the life of Joseph and he, Joseph and he, he matured. He changed. He grew. He was teachable. 
time that he was tattling on his brothers because they weren't doing something right with the sheep to actually being second in command, he had matured. He had through that. And I'm wondering, how many times do we miss opportunities in our life because we actually haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to mature us? Because we were like, no, I know it all. I'm good. I'm good. Remember me. Remember me when you come into the face of your master because I will help you again. Aren't you glad that I'm here? He takes that out. He has to take that out of us. And what is left is actually just pure good character with ethics. And he won't. He won't. And he had some fun with his brothers along the way. But he, he, he was purely acting as someone who knew who he was at that point and had allowed the Holy Spirit and had allowed, had allowed the Father to mature him and to, and to activate him into, into his destiny, into his destiny. So that's it. That's, I, I just, I felt that, you know, I just wanted to kind of hit on the whole process thing again. And it doesn't matter where you are in. Or you can ask the Holy Spirit, where am I in this process? Am I just starting out? In, am I in the pantry? Am I just really kind of knowing, oh, am I gifting? I think most of us here are, are past the pantry. They may think, well, I'm in a pit or I'm in prison. I don't think, I don't think we've arrived to the palace. Because I think that, I don't think so. We can ask the Holy Spirit, where am I at? Some of you may be closer to to, um, a a promotion than you realize. I think a lot of us are closer to a promotion than we realize. But it's how we respond to the situations in our life right now that will actually indicate whether we're ready for promotion or not. Let's stand with us as we go through process. And help us to be so in tune with you that we know that we go left or right or forward, we are walking in your your guidance, your counsel. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would even just reveal to us this morning where we are in the process. Are we in the pantry? Are we in the pit? Are we in prison? Are we, are we arriving at the palace? And give us practical ways to change our characters, to change who we are, to allow us to become more like you. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.